Welcome back, folks. Dave DeBow here. And today's Zooming in from London, Ontario, we've got a real estate investor power couple, Jake Taylor and Paula McFarlane, who have done a variety of things and really transitioned from being paramedics to full-on real estate entrepreneurs. So Jake, Paula, welcome to the show. Great to meet you. Thank you for having us. Yeah, thanks, Dave. Appreciate it. My pleasure. All right. So let's, I'm, I'm very, very curious, two completely different worlds, <laughs> you know, paramedics to real estate investors. I'm thinking, you know, paramedics, that could be pretty hectic. So can real estate investing, but maybe that's good preparation, right? Because compared to saving lives, you know, you put things into perspective, real estate things, you know, you, you might not get as flustered as the rest of us. But what what are your what are your thoughts around that, you guys? I would say there's still stress in both, but the stress is totally different. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally different. Totally different stress. Some days, yeah, oh, most definitely. Yeah, stress it depends, over, depends uh, what's happening. Some yeah, it depends days, what's going on. We're not sure which stress is. <laughs> <laughs> well, walk us through your story, you guys. What was it that got you sparked about real estate investing in the first place, and how did you start taking action? So we kind of got our start accidentally. So we, we started, we got together, we built our first house. Like we contracted it ourselves. We'd never built a house before. We'd never renovated anything before. And we decided that we were going to build a house. That, that that would be fun. And your relationship yeah. survived that. There you go. That's it. Did, yes, it did. Yeah. So we, we built the house and it was, you know, going to be our forever home. Yeah. And we were there for about 18 months and we kind of got the itch to do it again. So we put it up for sale sold it within a day. We didn't even put up for sale. We, I posted on Facebook within a day, it was gone. And we're like, okay, now we got to find somewhere else to live. So we bought another piece of property or put another piece of property under contract, I should say. And we knew nothing about real estate at this time. Like we look back at that deal now. We're like, wow, we did well. So we got under contract. We got a hundred percent VTB at 3% wow. um, for, it was going to be for like the duration of the construction of the home. So um, unfortunately we ran into some issues with the conservation authority and we got scared. And so we, we got, we got out of that deal. So we ended up buying another house that was run down, fixed it up, lived in it, sold it, did that a few times. Like we moved our poor kids like seven times in eight years oh, or something. Oh my like, goodness. A lot. And it was never intentional. Like we never yeah. were like, we're going to go flip this house. It was always going to be like the forever house. And then something would come up or anyway, <laughs> finally yeah, in 2019, uh, we decided. So, so, so sorry, how many accidental flips did you guys end up doing? And, and, and what year was it that you kind of bought that, built that first property? So we built that in 2015 and then. Yeah. I did a couple of like accidental flips over the next couple of years. Yeah. So in uh -huh. 2019, we were like, let's. We, we got to stop moving the kids. Um, we will just, let's start a business in flipping houses. So that's okay. when we, yeah, we hired a coach and we also were really keen on getting out of our job. So like we, both of us at some point in our careers have been diagnosed with PTSD, mm. been off work for a prolonged period of time. We'd both gone back to work, but like, we always knew that we were kind of just like one call away from maybe like you know, going yeah. off the deep end. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so we really needed to find something that we could do that would, you know, make us a decent amount of money. Like, you know, we, we were making, you know, an okay salary as paramedics and, and we wanted to make sure that we were making that or more. Yeah. So we saw flipping houses as a way to do it. And we both genuinely enjoyed doing it. And in yeah. the beginning, we were more hands-on. We were 
we were doing the floors, trim, painting, you know, kitchen install, like that kind of stuff. But yeah, so once we hired a coach, um, it kind of propelled us. We, we'd set a pretty, pretty good goal of getting out within a year. Um, we, I think I was about nine months before I was out and Jake was about a year and a half. So, wow. That's yeah. really good. You guys, congratulations. Yeah, thank, you. Yeah. thank you. And I think the coach that you were working with was our mutual friend, the late, great Stefan Arneo. Is that correct? It was. It yeah. Was, yes. Yeah. Yeah, he uh, definitely, no, uh, no better guy to learn about <laughs> flipping from than, than Stefan. That's for sure. That's true. Yeah, for Absolutely. sure. Okay. So you got into the flipping, um, Paula, you, you retired yourself from your job, so to speak, mind you flipping is a pretty heavy duty job. So you, mm-hmm. but, but you weren't, you know, riding around in ambulances anymore. Now, now you're in control oh. of your own thing. Jake, how were you kind of doing things? How were you balancing things between work and flipping? during that time frame where um where before you were able to leave the job yeah it, it wasn't bad like our schedule um shift work so lots of days off it wasn't too much of a juggle mm-hmm. um the, the biggest driving force was kind of to get out of the job right so yeah. um yeah and and flipping was was kind of how we got our, our feet wet in the industry lots lots to learn and uh yeah nice all right so when you guys were full-time flippers what did that look like as far as like number of deals that you're doing on average in a year kind of thing? Did you get to the point where you hired your, your own team or did you outsource to contractors? What did your flipping business look like? Yeah, we had anywhere between like seven and 10 projects at a, at a time. Um, wow. At any one time, seven to 10. And were yeah, these so full we- on renos or, or some of them lipstick and... So that's one thing uh, we're, we're guilty of being like, we're terrible flippers in the sense that we cannot lipstick on a pig. We cannot, like, <laughs> we, like, we think that we're going to do that. And then we get in and it's like, oh, but you know, we're at this point, we might as well just do this. Or we just do this. Like for us, like we're doing like a full on like upscale, like high end renovation by the time, like we were never like Stefan, you know, like his numbers, he, he, the stuff that he would buy for and the amount of money he'd spend on flipping, like the renovation and that kind of stuff were like, we don't like, we couldn't see those numbers in London anyway. Well, completely different markets too. Like yeah, yeah. And so Winnipeg, felt, a lot less expensive. We felt we had to do stuff to like really push the value. So we were doing more. And yeah. so our renovations would take a little, like a little bit longer too, but um, yeah. So yeah, we seven, did- seven at a time. Does that mean you had multiple crews working full-time yeah. for you guys or, oh, or we, were you- we were outsourcing. So we hired contractors yeah. Um, yeah. to do it. So and- we had about three that we worked with um, and yeah, it's, it seemed to go, go pretty well. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Our, our goal was always to like, even from the start, even when we didn't know what we were doing uh, was always, uh, to start a new home construction company. So that's uh, kind of what we've, we've uh, transitioned into. Yeah. Okay. Not, so yeah, so how did that come about? Well, since we built that first house in 2015, it's what we always wanted to do, but we yeah. never really understood or knew how to do it. Like it's very capital intensive to build, build new homes, especially mm-hmm. spec. Um, so it was kind of just one of those things, like one of those, like one day, one day, one day, but now, you know, that we've gotten our feet wet with real estate investing and flipping, and we understand private lending and we understand, you know, just all that stuff and how the stuff works. It was like, just all the doors opened at that point. Like the sky was the limit. We could do whatever we wanted. Um, cause now we had the tools to, to go out and do that. So it did take us some time. Like, um, we're in Ontario. We need to be licensed, carry on licensed here. 
-hmm. So we did that. Jake did that. Um, got our Tarion license. Um, so we just kind of started building in 2022 last year. Yeah. Okay. Um, started building uh, new homes, and then we we've done you know burrs, and and we've short-term rentaled our burrs. We have a boutique. So hotel. so did you guys get out of doing the flipping business, or did you? keep on yeah. doing flipping full-time or did you kind of transition into the birds? Yeah. And into... It, it was more of a transition, um, yeah. like kind of finishing up projects and focusing on the, on the new construction. All right. Very good. So at this point, if you don't mind sharing, what, what does, what does your business look like? Like between the new build side of the business, which is a completely different business. I understand that, but it's all real estate yeah. related. Yeah. So between that, you're buying hold properties. I think you've got some, I think you've got a boutique hotel or something like that thrown in the mix too. So you yeah. got a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah. So it's, yeah, the, the boutique, boutique hotel is kind of an outlier, I would say. Not really. So what happens is like when we first started, the reason we wanted to flip, we were like, we don't want to be landlords. Like we just want active business. Like we want to make, make money. We don't like. We don't necessarily if we, we don't want to deal with tenants yeah. and toilets, especially yeah. in Ontario. And even just like so, yeah, yes, and even just like the amount of cash flow we would need to kind of retire from our jobs, like it would take us years to do that. We're flipping, we could do it much faster. So that's why we focused on flipping. Yeah. Then as we got going, we saw the value in like holding real estate. We still don't really want to be landlords. So we would like burr something and like by burr, I mean like we have like an office building that we converted to a fourplex. And so now they're all four brand new units. You know, we, we once again, spent probably a little bit too much money. Like we got a little bit nicer kitchens, nicer tiles and put them yep. all on, all on Airbnb. Um, they've done really well. And so then we just kind of like kept doing that. We were just, whenever we'd finish something, it would go on Airbnb. Um, we've since sold a few off because London's changed their Airbnb bylaws, but, right. but that's what gave me, I guess, like the, the courage and the like desire to get the a boutique hotel because I, okay. I genuinely like the short-term rental stuff. And mm -hmm. for me, it was like, if I get a hotel that's zoned for short-term rentals, the city can't come and take that, <laughs> like can't take that business away from right. me. So that was kind of where, where that went. Well, okay. So explain what, explain what that looks like. What's the difference between a boutique hotel, a regular hotel and an Airbnb property kind of, how, how does, how does that look? What are the differences? Yeah. So I would say like a boutique hotel, like for, for me, and I mean, this could not be, this could not be the proper definition, but it's like something that's like unique has character. You know, you're mm -hmm. walking into a room that's not the same as every, every other room. There's just like a little bit, and they're usually smaller. It's like, you don't generally see a boutique hotel with, you know, like hundreds of, right. of units. So, um, so explain maybe yours, like explain yeah. what does your boutique hotel look like? So ours is nine suites. Um, oh. Every suite is different every suite is designed different different square footage different layout different everything so initially our hotel was um a row house built in like like 1800s and then during world war ii it was converted into nine apartments and the people we bought it from the, the woman we bought it from she had owned it for 25 years and operated it as an inn so um during covid short-term rentals weren't really a thing so she put right. medium-term tenants in there and had it on the market and it didn't sell. So I'd kind of like kept an eye on it. Cause I'd, I thought the building was beautiful. It was in the town that we worked in. So we've yeah. driven by it, you know, hundreds you of times. Yeah. 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 And so it was just one of those things I kind of kept my eye on and it was came on the market, was off the market. It was gone up for maybe like almost a year. 
And I just reached out to her one day now that I've got Airbnbs going and I've started thinking about the short-term rental aspect of things. I reached out on Facebook and asked if she was still interested in buying or in selling and she was. So I met her for coffee and we worked out a deal. So it was off market at this time. It wasn't listed anymore. Correct. Yeah. Nice. All right. Yeah. Way better. We bought it off market. Yeah. And we also nice. got a 90% BTB as well. Wow. So that was. Mm. Okay. So she had it as an in. Yeah. Converted it into medium term rentals during COVID. You guys bought it, converted it back from an into a boutique hotel. What's the difference? Like there really like, isn't. There really okay. is. <laughs> it's, more sounds marketing. Cool, okay? it's more yeah, like yeah. the marketing side of it. Right. Yeah. So it's yeah. like that's really what it comes down to. And like for us, like our our hotel, like we don't have a lobby, but there's no general lobby area because of the way the building was set up when it was right done in, you know, I don't even know when that was, the 30s, maybe. Um, so yeah, like we don't have a lobby, we don't have any of that stuff. So for us, like everyone has access to their own suites directly. Um, so like it kind of is like an Airbnb hotel, right. I guess. Yeah, because um, you don't need you don't need staff on site. You don't, you're not serving breakfast. You're not doing any of yeah, that no other kind of stuff. There's nothing there. Um, we did buy the house next door just for like more parking. Um, and we will convert it to more suites, but we initially thought we'd put a cafe or a lobby in there. And then after running numbers, we're like, well, lobbies don't really make, they don't any, make money. any money yeah and a cafe is just really too like labor intensive yeah and that's a that's a much. whole other business right yeah, exactly. yeah so we exactly. so we're now it's just going to be all sweets but yeah we we toyed with the idea of adding a lobby and decided that we don't necessarily need it so we have 24 7 digital concierge we call it um nice. in the day it's me for now and then in the evening it's a va in the philippines mm-hmm. um we have what we call our room service closet so if someone needs extra towels, more toilet paper, like we've got snacks in there, toothbrushes, you know, razors, all the stuff that you may for phone chargers, they can send a message. We can give them a code. They can go into the closet and kind of get what they need. So the idea is that we don't uh, need room need service closet. There. I like that mm-hmm. idea. That's, yeah. that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and just out of pure personal curiosity, how do you keep track of who's got what, like, do phone chargers go missing all the time? And if so, we, do you really care? I mean, so, yeah, that's the thing. You only put stuff in there that, you know, people ask me that all the time, actually. And it's like, if someone's going to go in there and take everything out, then, it, you know, I can't stop that from happening. Yeah. And I can't stop them from doing that into an entire hotel room either. But I, I let them stay. So you kind of, you know. And, and evidently you haven't really had any problems with it. I Even with our Airbnbs, we have, we've been very fortunate. We've had really good guests. We are. I would say like on the higher, I price things on the higher end, the decor yeah. design, all that stuff does kind of attract a certain clientele and um, we've had really good luck. So nice. Nice. All right. I'm, I like the, I like your whole boutique hotel idea, just self-serve everything's digital. Yeah. Um, logistically yeah same thing with cleaning and whatnot you don't need your own full-time staff for that i guess so whoever you had taking care of business for your other short-term rentals they just add that on and and yeah so we yeah we hire like a cleaning crew and i've got everything automated i've got like all the you know messaging is automated when they book a message automatically goes to the cleaner and they can accept or decline. If they decline, it goes automatically goes to a backup cleaner. Okay. So like, and just everything is the locks are all 
automated. So as soon as someone books, they get a code, goes to the lock. It's only available. So like check-in is at four. If you try to use the code at 359, it won't work. If you use it at four, it will work. And same with checkout time. So and all new codes every time, every guest. Yeah, very good. And, and I don't do any of that. It's all done like with it's software. all automated. That is beautiful, you guys. Um what what are you running? How long first of all, how long have you had the, the hotel for now? So we I'll, I'll tell you another interesting fact about the hotel. <laughs> so, hey, we can talk about anything else. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> well, we will. I just, it, this, okay, is true. Okay. this is fun. Um, <laughs> it's my baby. Um, yeah. So we, we bought it in January of last year. Uh, we okay, had so the year term, and a half now. Yeah. Yeah. We had the medium term tenants in there until June 1st, June 1st, we started the renovation. Um, and the reason for the delay in starting the renovation from when we bought it wasn't because of tenants, because they were all um, engineers from Japan and we could have easily said, you got to go, you got to go. Yeah. Um, it was because we ended up getting the renovation of the hotel on a TV show. So it's actually uh-huh. airing next week. So like early August, um, and it's 10 episodes and it's all about our hotel. Wow. So that was, that was kind of like a delay that caused a little bit more in delays in the renovation project, although looking and, back, and you probably had to kick up the drama a little bit just to make oh, it. 100%. Oh yeah, oh yeah, drama. you got to tune in. Lots yeah. of drama, lots of drama. Yeah, feeding me <laughs> lines, saying stuff. Yeah, you know what? You're, we've got some clients that that were on a HGTV flip first time flippers type. Yeah, yeah. Same idea. Yeah, same I don't think it was. Oh yeah, it's all yeah. you know reality TV. Like, it's like, oh, that was great. Can you say it again? Or you do something yeah. like. When they're showing you the suites at the end so it was like a surprise for us so we go in and they're like we're like wow you know we have a reaction you're like this is great and i'm like okay go back out and do that again we got to do it in wide angle now and you're like what? i have to like fake this reaction we're not actors <laughs> you'll see we're not actors yeah yeah <laughs> thankfully it's not like it, we're in it but it doesn't revolve around us it's all about the design and the renovation yeah, so we yeah. are like secondary characters for yeah, that'll, cool. be, that'll be huge for um marketing and, and definitely and, uh, so it'll be great that's yeah. exciting you guys so since you've opened up what what's been your uh, occupancy rate on average is, is that pretty good or or We're, like it's like not great right now so also mm-hmm. because of the tv show we weren't allowed to really push our stuff so initially the tv show was going to air in the spring everything got behind and then it was like what's going to air in july now it's going to air in august and the tv show didn't want us sharing you know all the after photos because it's a before and after renovation show and it's 10 episodes and they've put a lot of money time and effort into this so Mm -hmm. we couldn't really start promoting the hotel basically we opened in june we started promoting it in june so we're about um oh we're about 50% occupancy um, right now. Uh-huh. However, the TV show will be starting and that should bump us up. We also hired a PR team too. Nice. Well, congratulations, you guys. That is exciting stuff. So moving ahead, I mean, you've done flips, you've done burrs, you've got short-term rentals, you've got boutique hotels, you got your construction business. What are your plans for the next... 12 to 24 months. Where do you guys see yourself when it going when it comes to real estate investing? Yeah, I think um outlier side, the hotel. Uh we yeah. kind of have uh kind of three tiers to our business. We have our uh custom home business, Tartan Custom Homes. Uh we have Tartan Developments. Oh my gosh, sorry. And uh, uh we have um sorry. Yeah, so Tartan, 
Tartan Custom Homes, uh, Tartan Developments, which is our development company. And we have uh, Tartan Capital Canada, which is a, a fund. Mm -hmm. uh, so that kind of, the fund kind of fuels the, the development company. All right. So when it comes to the, the investing side of things, what are you guys going to be doing more of? Uh, yeah. So custom homes aside, um, our investing is we're focused on uh, like the missing middle development. Uh, so anywhere between three and 12 units uh, developments, new construction and adaptive reuse. New constructive and adaptive reuse. Okay. Yeah. So are you going to, you're going to be building stuff, you're going to be renovating stuff. So doing burrs on bigger, bigger yeah. type properties, that idea to hold those or to sell those? Yeah. So th those will be the majority of those projects will be through the fund. Um, they will be like a three to five year hold and then we'll uh, exit. Okay. Very yeah. good. And for you guys, for your long-term portfolio growth, sticking with the short-term rental idea or what, what are your thoughts there? Yeah. Everything we have now, uh, like personally, uh, it's all sh short-term rentals. Mm -hmm. uh, and then obviously some of the, the, the uh, developments through the fund uh, will be be long-term rentals and just acquisitions through through the fund. Nothing personally, everything will go through the fund. All right. Well, tell us a little bit about the fund because a lot of people are thinking about starting these kind of things. Yep. Um, I've never done one myself personally. My understanding is that it is quite, uh, quite the process to get them set up and quite expensive yep. as well. So um, at what point does it really kind of make sense in your opinion to start your own fund? Um, yeah, so there's, there's definitely costs to set it up, uh, learning curve as well. We, we are working with a mentor on, on, on learning about the fund. Uh, mm -hmm. but I say it makes, it makes sense anywhere. Uh, so ours is a $5 million fund. Um, I would say right around that mark is kind of like entry, entry level, uh, yeah. maybe, three, uh, kind of makes sense. Um, yeah, that's, uh, but like the cost to set it up, it really depends. Like there's so many variables. Yeah. So if, if you want to bring in registered funds, which, which we're not for ours, uh, there's an added cost. So yeah, it could be anywhere like 50 to 120 K. Um, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. Ours, ours is around, uh, 50 for us. So yeah. Cause you're not, you're not bringing in the registered funds at yeah, this no moment. Trust. So maybe, make maybe walk us through what is your fund? What does it look like? How is it structured? You know, big, broad strokes. Yep. How are you guys going to use those funds? How do you pay your investors? This this kind of thing. How does it work? Yeah, for sure. So, like I said, it's a, a five million dollar fund. Um, mm -hmm. It's open to eligible investors um, and uh, accredited investors and friends and family. Um, so and el eligible investors would be either accredited or friends and family, or is there some other? Uh, eligible is uh, there's a certain income criteria, so it's less than accredited. I can't. I don't know off offhand what it is. Yeah. Um, Does a creditor like two hundred thousand bucks a year, three hundred for a couple, that kind of stuff? Correct. Yeah. So it's a little bit of a lower tier, mm -hmm. um, and the maximum investment with that is is thirty k um, for for the eligible investors. Mm -hmm. uh, so five million dollars. Uh, those funds will be used for the development projects. Um, our target return is seventeen percent annualized, mm -hmm. and yeah, then based in Ontario. Uh, what was nice. the other question? Okay. Yeah, so so you've got eligible investors, you've got accredited investors. So I guess eligible investors would be like the American version of a sophisticated investor, perhaps. Yeah, very similar. Yeah, something like that. And then friends and family are also allowed to invest in the fund. And if so, right. what's their maximum 
investment, allowable investment. Don't quote me, but I don't think there's a max for that. Okay, if they're friends and family. Don't quote me on that. Though. No, no, that's fine. It's just, <laughs> be all, that's we're, not, we're not holding that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just curious as to how it works. All right, yeah. well, that's fantastic. So then you can use those funds to do your development projects. Yeah. Um, are you still going to be getting bank financing for these projects or are you just going to go all in with the fund? Nope. So we'll we'll leverage it with bank financing, yeah. uh, bring in the capital from the fund for equity and, and to make up any... Um, uh, any deficits with with the construction financing. Very cool. And now do you guys have to completely fill up the fund first before you start using it or can you use it depending on how much is in it at any one time? No, you can we can call like we can call the capital as soon as it comes in. Uh, obviously mm-hmm. you, you got to have enough for the allotted project, but yeah, exactly. as soon as you're ready to go you can you can call it. Fantastic. Okay, very very cool. Now that that sounds like for what you guys are doing that makes a ton of sense. Right, and yeah. how's it been going with filling up the fund so far? When did you get started and, and what are you doing to market the fund? Because that's that's another job, that's another right? Thing, is, yeah, is too. And there's there's uh, like security commission stuff around that as well, yeah. like uh, the marketing. Uh, but yeah, so our fund is, uh, we're just meeting with legal next week. So it's not mm-hmm. like 100% finalized. Um, and then at that point, we'll be, be uh, looking for soft commitments. Got it. All right. Very good. And based on your, and we're not holding you any of this. It's just out of curiosity, based on your understanding at the moment, like what are you allowed to do to promote your fund? Uh, so we can do, uh, you can't like advertise, advertise, but we can do um, webinars. Um, obviously kind of like education, education type pieces, pieces with obviously mm-hmm. no promises um, for returns or anything like that. Right. Right. And then we will likely use the exempt market dealer to, process the um, the investments. So maybe explain to folks who don't understand what an exempt market dealer is, who are they and what role do they play? Uh, so for us, I may not be saying everything that they do, but for us, they'll be, they uh, legal, legally process the investments, um, do, do, do due diligence, um, make sure that um, they meet the accredited or eligible. They or fit, fit one of those criteria. Yep. Yeah. And and some some dealers can also help uh, in raising capital as well. Okay. So basically you guys can, whatever you're allowed to do, market yep. the fund. People put up their hands, say, yeah, I'm interested. Yeah, I'd like it going. Then you steer them in the direction of your exempt market dealer. And he kind of vets them, accepts their, their money, gets everything organized that way to get the, the, the capital in the funds in the fund. Yeah. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay. So that must be another cost on top of things. There must be a percentage that they get as, as their fee or something along those lines. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. they'll, the, 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 they'll charge a due diligence fee on the, on the fund. Um, it varies. I've yeah. got quotes for, for different ones. Yeah. Um, and then they charge a fee for processing as well. And if they raise capital, there's an additional charge for that yeah. as well. That makes sense. So based on on your understanding of things, you guys, are you going to be doing most of the capital raising yourselves or are you going to be relying on the exempt market dealer to do most of that for you? Yeah, I would love to rely on the exempt market dealer, to be honest with you, but no, it'll be primarily yes. primarily us. Uh, yeah, so. Cool. So what have you planned? What have you planned to do to get the word out about your fund and really really start filling that up. But what, what do you got on the go for that? I know uh, you're, you're still just kind of finalizing yeah. setting it up, but. Yeah, we're obviously going to tap into our network, our email network, our yeah. online network, um, and then just webinars too, just kind of get the word out. 
Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, that's exciting stuff, you guys. Congratulations on everything that you've done in a relatively short period of time. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for thanks for sharing uh, the stories and the trials and the tribulations. And uh, really loved the the story about the boutique hotel, Paula. So thanks for unwrapping Thank that. You. And Jake, <laughs> hey man, you know, really appreciate you kind of unwrapping the the fund thing as well because we've had a there there are a lot of people interested in doing that, but it's Seems something got to yeah. be at a certain certain level for that to make sense financially. I mean, for up sure. until yeah. then, yeah. I mean, I'm sure you guys have done your fair share of joint ventures and and other kind of things leading up to this. Yeah, for sure. To to be able to get to this next stage. So awesome, yeah. you guys. If people want to uh, reach out and connect with you, what should they do? What's the best place for them to go? We're most active on Instagram, so we're at Tartan underscore Developments or email it's either paula at tartandevelopments.com or jake at tartandevelopments.com yep for sure fantastic all right you guys well thanks very much for being on the show and and i wish you much continued success thank, thank you. you thanks for having us that was fun thank you all right everybody take care we'll talk to you on the next episode